It is our 200th episode. What a journey it's been. What a ride. And to give you something special for taking that journey with us, this is something to celebrate, something to commemorate. We're giving you a more personalized version of us. Uh, we have our friend here, Vince, at Critic at XL. He's going to be conducting an interview so this is going to be personal. We're going to get into a lot of different realms. You're going to get to see a little bit of a different side of us. And then for those of you that are worried about the weekly Tuesday content, the regular weekly Tuesday content, it's with this. So you're going to get this interview for our 200th episode, and then you're going to get our 201 episode, which is the normal weekly content. So fret not. It's here. You get two episodes this week. It's going to be awesome. Let's get into it. Yo, this is Hanging with Apes, an Audio Apes podcast. Real talk, real topics, no limits. Audio Apes, music with no boundaries. What's up, everybody? This is K-Cartoon. This is RX Phonics. We are the Audio Apes, and you are officially Hanging with Apes, a weekly Tuesday podcast where we discuss trending topics and current news with a philosophical and comedic flair and our take on it. Two guys from the south side of Chicago. There is explicit language at times, so be advised. Go on over to Twitter. Follow us at Hanging With Apes. Go on over to our website. That's HangingWithApes.com. Sign up for our newsletter. And if you want to listen to some really good rap and hip-hop music, go to any major music streaming platform. Type in Audio Apes, and our catalog pops up. It truly is the best. It truly is the best. Yes. So, for those of you that are not interested in getting to know us a little bit more personally you can shoot on over to episode 201 because that's the regular weekly content we have our friend vince as a guest on that episode but that's the normal stuff that we talk about but for those that want to celebrate our 200th episode with us and commemorate this journey then uh stay on to this episode because we got some good stuff we got our friend vince vince uh, tell the people a little bit about you. I mean, I know a lot of listeners know about you already, but for our new listeners, because we've been getting a lot of listeners, we've been growing a lot. Yeah, so there's a, there's a lot of people right now that have not heard you before. So tell them a little bit about yourself. Tell them a little bit about your blog, and then we'll kick this thing off. Yeah, thank you. So my name is Vincent Williams. I am the founder and chief editor of Critic at Extra Large. Um critic at extralarge.com and yeah i've had i've always had a bit of a passion i guess i could say for writing and just getting my ideas and opinions out there um i've had a brief stint in radio i've been a music director before uh, i've been a radio host in the past so i've i've had a pretty interesting journey to get to where i am today and uh i'm pretty proud of what I've accomplished thus far, and I'm excited about the future, and I'm excited to uh, interview the two of you gentlemen. Awesome. Thank you. Absolutely. And he says it pretty modestly, but his articles are great. And I mean, you're going to get ideas in his articles that you don't get anywhere else. Like the I, I one of the more recent ones was when you compared Jason Whitlock to like, and, and you, you essentially you made him where 50 cent was at the massacre <laughs> yes. jason whitlock is now in in journalism and it's badass because one. i really like the notion of 
how sometimes the greats gotta call people out in order to like affect change. And that's that's the correlation that I made between Jason Whitlock and 50 Cent. And I mean, um, amongst a lot of other great articles, like you've done articles on UBI and, and various other topics. So you're getting good stuff. And one of the reasons why we constantly have him on the show and we had him do this interview and he, we thought that he was perfect to help us celebrate and commemorate our 200th episode is because you get outside the box thinking like a lot of people that rock with us that that like our content like the outside of the box uh approach that we take to certain topics so that's what you get with vince and his work at a critic at extra large and, and i've known you guys forever yes no. and we've known each other for many years unfortunately uh, for you and your twitter handle your twitter handle before we get into everything is what it is critic ATXL and my Twitter handle, my personal one, other than outside of the the Hanging with Apes one, is Kill Cartoon, and mine is RX Phonics on all platforms. RX Phonics. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, go ahead. Start. Let's start this interview. Well, I'll, I'll get I'll get to your upbringing in a second, but I, I, real quick bef- before you start, uh, for everybody out there, we have no idea what he's going to ask us. Nope. Now, granted, I know a lot of people could say, "Oh, well, you could just be saying that," yeah. and I could just be saying that. But for those of you out there that are going to take my word for it, I have no idea what he's about to ask us. So <laughs> just uh, bear scared. that in mind. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's not what you told me uh, before. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're, I'm just you're, you're Steve Scullying me, <laughs> right? <laughs> Great that shit. So I, I want I'll circle back to your upbringing in a second, but this does it will this question will lead us there. Okay. So as we've seen in pop culture, uh, it's taken on more of a a liberal term, uh, a liberal wave theme over the years yeah. you know we've seen movies like uh black panther for instance uh-huh there were there were large liberal uh themes and concepts pushed in that movie you know uh the joker movie with joaquin phoenix great movie by the way if mm-hmm. you haven't watched it shame on you if you haven't but yeah, that's uh awesome. <laughs> there were a lot of liberal concepts pushed in that movie as well and it's something that i've noticed over the years mm-hmm so where do you, question one, where do you guys, have you guys seen a liberal movement more pronounced in Hollywood and where do you see it going from here? Um, oh, I got one. I have seen a more liberal movement in Hollywood um, in, and in pretty much all facets of Hollywood movies and music um but i think we've also seen enough evidence to suggest that there is such a thing as uh go woke go broke mm-hmm. uh live by the woke die by the woke uh as which is at, a t-shirt on your website it, yeah it is it is and uh people have bought it people have bought the the t-shirt and the hoodies and and stuff like that so thank you everybody out there that supports um so i do think that we've also seen that so for as much as we've seen the the woke leftist wave that that's been in hollywood 
I wouldn't say that we've seen just as much in regards to the antithesis to that, but we're starting to see that. And I'll give you an example. Um, comedy has essentially died. Like comedy, <laughs> funny movies, like you don't you don't get that. And I was just having a conversation with somebody the other day, and and. I was expressing to them like how far removed are we from the days of like 40 year old virgin uh forgetting sarah marshall all of those like great movies and i would say that was probably like the last great wave of movies in comedy we don't have that anymore because for as much as those guys i imagine would want to write those movies and produce those movies they can't because woke hollywood is not is not for it but in the very two movies that you brought up they're just for as many ideas that you have in those movies that are leftist ideas you actually have like very right-wing ideas and it's funny that you brought up black panther because i actually had a debate with somebody about this the <laughs> other day and they were they were talking about we were talking about the election and who they're going to vote for this that, and the other and they they're very afrocentric pro the black community and so they're of the notion that neither candidate is for the black community and what we ought to be uh aspiring to is like wakanda and what i told them is like well if we're gonna if you're gonna go the wakanda route the wakanda route more or less is trump's base you have the, the big the big shield the big shield that defends wakanda from outsiders the that, wall. that's representative of <laughs> of trump's wall they're not very pro immigration mm -hmm. that that's well and and you can't even really say that about trump because trump is pro immigration the stats show that he's just not pro illegal immigration yeah uh he's very much for exploring and utilizing our natural resources here in the nation. Wakanda is very much about that with vibranium and everything. So everything that brought Wakanda success is essentially what Trump is perpetuating. So that and that's that's definitely stumbled them. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there there is there is a, a woke movement. Um and I but I, I there's also a culture war being fought. And I think right now we're we're at the tilting point. Where I believe, I mean, the election is going to dictate a lot, but I believe we're starting to, we can be starting to tilt back the other way. Yeah, I, I would I would also say that too, like, I feel Hollywood has always leaned more towards the left just because uh, that's... It, it's been a lot more pronounced. Yes, now it's a lot more pronounced, but also today's time, like, like he's talking about woke, the woke movement and all that. I think that that... That just kind of makes it a little bit more extreme in, in that regard. But I, I feel like it's also poured out into avenues that I don't feel that politics belongs, uh, like sports. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't think people watch sports to to be told like what they should care about politically. So so like like the NBA, how it's, it was just like Black Lives Mattered out. I don't think people want to watch the NBA to be told, you know, basically to be virtue signaled. Um, well, we saw what the NFL, really what the NFL has been on for like the last, I would say, 10 years, 
because I, I don't know if you guys noticed every two years it's like something mm-hmm. it's, someone's getting me tooed or someone you know well, with the ray rice beating his wife and then uh it's always been some scandal that had to do more so with the oh let's make this political and and, and uh let's let's now go through this journey of like oh well this is why this is wrong we're gonna give him we're gonna suspend him for 10 games even though he's still married to his wife so i think that they've they've inappropriately done things where i don't i don't believe like nfl fans and nba fans really want to to have that conversation when it comes to to the sports world and it is pretty jarring but i've also seen and this is now more so towards the film area like like the last sicario was actually pretty right wing the the what was it the second one and it did very well in the in the box office so i feel that there's movies out there that people try and make more like a left left leaning movie but it's not like parasite was another one mm-hmm. i felt like people talked about parasite in a way that i i didn't see when i saw the movie i saw some of the people's points and and maybe the left-leaning points that they're making, but I also saw a, a, a way more well-rounded movie than most critics did. So I think too, it's like yeah, the crit- way we're cutting critics it down. saw Parasite as uh, essentially a I don't know if you want to say call to action for socialism. Like that's how critics saw it. They yeah. saw it as like a as 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 this 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 highlighted chain of events that should want make everybody want socialism is like you know and highlighting the the inequality between the haves and the have nots um but not really exploring well how these people got to the situations that they got to so that's the other thing too is a lot of times the movie could be made in one light, but then the way that the movie is talked about, it's talked about in a totally different light because yes. uh, back to the example that you gave with Joker. Joker, I, I mean, I don't I don't know necessarily if I see it that it leans right or left, but I do see that Joker kind of delved into the realm of like incels and and like men in society being repressed and then so the fact that joker won well joaquin phoenix won best actor but joker didn't win best picture i don't know because no. uh, uh parasite won that year yes. i think it was the same year mm-hmm. um but the fact that joker was even considered in these conversations showed that from a a quality standpoint it definitely had the quality but if you look on rotten tomatoes due to all of the critics bad mouthing the movie it's not even a certified fresh which is baffling considering the fact that it is one of the better movies that came out in the last five years Mm -hmm. for it not to even be a certified fresh so that shows you right there that critics saw the movie and they saw it as a right-wing uh, a statement, yeah. which I don't, I don't look at it like a right wing or a left wing statement. But they saw it as a right wing statement in the sense that, oh, this is a repressed 
white man that wants to take out his event his vengeance on the world you know what i'm saying <laughs> so it, that that has a lot to do with it too it's like that wave that wave too that leftist wave is definitely bolstered and inflated based off of like how people actually talk about the movie you know what i'm saying and the way it's reviewed it's a so, bit extreme too because like you said that those aspects they talk about but then they don't talk about the deinstitutionalization which that's a theme there when it comes to so it's like they pick and choose what they think is well, well that i mean but movie. that also kind of goes along with them because that that's also like a leftist talking point is yeah. like oh well deinstitutionalization you know it, it caused all these mental health issues and and we should be spending this money for people to uh, uh, to invest in people's mental health and just something further for the government to get involved with. So that's kind of a talking point too. For so them. so give give me a movie, very quickly. Give me a movie that you remember from your childhood, and now looking back on it, like, huh? They pushed a lot of political things that I didn't catch on in earlier. You know, when when I when I was younger, you know, I, I mean, I can give you a, a, an example of myself. Uh, it's not a movie, obviously, but The Simpsons, you know, watching The Simpsons as a child uh-huh. and then watching The Simpsons as you age 20 years. Like, huh, boy, did they push a lot of different things? Like, huh, The Simpsons actually predicted something similar to COVID-19 and how people yeah. Uh, would react so yeah give me a movie from that you saw early on you know maybe in your teenage years and now looking back on it you 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 see it in a even uh even a more politicized sense um looking back as you know you were asking that question i get more cultural statements than i do political statements where i get a lot of political statements made was the way certain things were highlighted for example well, i guess this is kind of cultural too but it, it 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 delves into the realm of 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 politics i remember very vividly when i was younger watching and 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 being very much into the oj trial and like that was something that like my mom would have on tv watch it with my grandpa the bronco chase yeah we would (laughs) we, we would talk about it the hearing and all of that and as that developed i remember seeing how johnny cochran operated and like how much he used race in the trial and everything like that and i remember it being a thing where the media narrative coupled with the way that Johnny Cochran was formulating his defense, it almost became like a white and black thing. But then at some point it evolved into a men versus women thing because OJ the man and then no longer with the wife, the wife gets a younger guy, but like OJ's paying for everything. So there were like a lot of like little cultural undertones that I remember the media really spinning in a way where it made them the cultural and political undertones that they were when in in fact i didn't see it like that i saw it as well did this dude kill her or not why did he do it if if he did do it and and why did whoever did it do it if he didn't do it 
that's the way that I saw it. But I remember it being an active thing where, damn, this shit is like they're really trying to spin this a certain way. And they and, and I, I guess it was the, the 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 factor of, you know, race war or men versus women, the battle of the sexes. I guess it makes money. It's good for ratings. Now, did you catch on to this? early on when you at yeah, the time yeah oh, yeah okay, when i was okay. when i was young i remember like obviously the thoughts weren't as well thought out as they are now or well formulated as they are now but i do remember having moments where i would be you know with my mom or my grandfather watching the trial and thinking of the trial one way and then hear hearing them talk about the trial and like getting their perspective of the trial and it being it being something and then what the media was saying about it it not really correlating what with the concerns of like the average person so i guess that was that was the beginning of this notion that things could be one way but somebody could put a spin on it and make it political or cultural when it, it, it the original the originality of it wasn't that you know what i'm saying yeah as far as movies i really don't i I felt that they were more (coughs) culturally just a lot more different than they are now Mm. so yeah of course culturally you i I feel like men were like more men's men in movies before Mm -hmm. as opposed to like before or as opposed to now uh you see a, a, a different variety of men um in films as far as cartoons Simpsons was one of them. Another one was Family Guy. We've always talked about how like it, it's funny, and actually, it's even funnier now because Rick and Morty exists. Mm-hmm. Where like Family Guy and The Simpsons, like like the the the, the family dynamic, mm-hmm. yeah, and how like the dads like kind of like the dumb, just like beer belly guy who just you know he's just a dad. He's there. The 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 daughter is a little bit more like the 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 smarter one. Bart Bart is not as smart. Or, or I wouldn't say not as smart, but kind of more of a rebellious Lisa's mm-hmm. like anytime they, they show Lisa, it's like, oh, she's going to be the president or yeah. she's this, she's that. So, and it's funny because then you fast forward to like Rick and Morty and they kind of, it's like an updated version of that. And I forgot what channel talks about it. I want to say Wisecrack has broken that down. Wisecrack has broken it down. The yeah. take has broken it down. Yeah. The take too. The we take, actually yeah. did a, we actually did a video well, we actually did an episode based off of a video from the take. Yeah. Of, of and the the title of the video was "Does the Universe Hate Smart People?" And it was based off Rick and Morty, Morty because yeah. Rick and Morty sort of uproot the cultural imagery that the Simpsons pushed. Yes, and I, I think that's what you're saying. Exactly. Like like with the Simpsons, it was cool, in a way. With Rick and Morty, it's like, well, like the dad, he's a dumbass and just really soft. But that's actually... It's criticized. Yeah, it's criticized. Yeah, yeah Rick and Morty criticize it. Like, for instance, with The Simpsons, Married with Children, various examples that you gave, Family Guy. The dad essentially being like a dumb beta male, it's it's portrayed in a way where this is the norm this is how it should be the wife is like good looking and 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 runs the show and is the smart one and what rick and morty do 
well, Rick and Morty, like those two particular characters, they uproot that messaging. They uproot it and say, well, no, this is not cool. And actually, you doing things like this fucks up the kids. It it, it, it diminishes their, their, their adventurous spirit and it sort of leads them down a path of mediocrity. Rick and Morty sort of if, if you're looking at like the cultural undertones of it okay so we we've been talking about cartoons and, and movies from your from your childhood give us give the listeners a, a brief synopsis of your upbringing you know where where you're from your ethnic backgrounds um and kind of tie that into the your your political leanings you know at at what point or what event in your childhood or in your upbringing sort of led you down uh this certain you know the right the right path i'd say for me it was uh i my household like the household it, it, it my parents did a very good job of making it where if i had a question Mm-hmm. no matter how complicated the question was it was like it was kind of like well yeah you can ask it it's it's invited like you're you're more than welcome to ask that so what would happen is so not so so for the listeners uh your your what's your oh well ethnicity well i'm ethnicity wise my, my dad's mexican my mom is puerto rican okay and i grew up in the south side of chicago not too far from from twiz um so yeah that was gauge park so that was uh my up- upbringing mostly um because i actually for to, like from when i was like a baby to like about five it was actually the north side not the good side of the north side right. <laughs> the, the really bad yes. side <laughs> so then we moved on to the south side uh better location but still some of the stuff that goes on as, as we know in the south side of chicago so it was, I think, a good formula because there was enough where you learn from the streets, mm-hmm. what like what reality is, and also uh, struggling. I think is is a blessing that a lot of people don't realize, like living living in the hood and 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 learning from from those lessons. I think a lot of people take that for granted, and then as you get older, there's a lot of stuff that you could just stomach a lot better than people who've been sheltered. So. I do appreciate that. And then coupled with the fact that my parents, like I said, they did a very good job. They would say something about, let's say in, in grammar school or, or high school, they, you know, just, I felt comfortable asking, Oh, people said this about the president. Uh, what do you think? And my Mm -hmm. dad would kind of break that shit down. And he, my dad's always been a, a big thinker when it comes to politics, because he doesn't look at, see, uh, it's it's a lot harder for people to look at things from the outside scope than like for what's in it for them. Right. So my dad's always been the type that looks at things more so logically and less emotionally. So whenever he would break something down, he would say, "Well, li- listen, this is why they this is why they said that. This is why I think it's dumb." And then he would explain it. And so and me always being a kid that like I would always ask why. It was never like Google would have been my best friend when I was a little kid because like I literally everything. Why? Why is that? Why is this? Why is it? and 
So my dad, I don't even know how he would not be annoyed. That, I tell ask. you that is the most dangerous question in the world today. <laughs> why? Oh no! God. That if you want to offend someone, just ask them why. Yeah, <laughs> and I actually gravitated towards almost, you guys. Almost one of it's it's dangerous, but probably the most important question at times. Yeah, but but I that that's why I gravitated towards like 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 K cartoon and the people we we would hang out with because we we were like the type that were that had that obviously that rebellious spirit being kids in high school but also thinkers in the sense that like we never looked at something from the surface level we'd be like oh, all right well let's let's sit down mm-hmm. and like how many times did we ride in k cartoons lumina <laughs> and like apart from freestyling we would just talk about like different shit really wild shit really wild concepts and even in high school we never really gravitated towards oh we're gonna be the cool kids we were like no we're gonna be us so people would talk like us like we had our own lingo and and like i could sit down with the goth kids and the metalheads and the basketball team and the football team and the cool kids and like so it was i felt that that was a a very good dynamic because it made me understand people a little bit better and even now looking looking at like the political spectrum we go back to the why People are so scared of why people are so stuck in a box and they don't know how to how to maybe think a little bit more outside the box or maybe feel not comfortable. And we're just not those people. So you bring up both of your parents being having a profound uh, impact in your life. What yeah. about you, K Cartoon? Were both parents? Oh, I, were, were, you, were you did you were you raised in a two parent household? Um. Yeah, no. <laughs> um uh my dad was was a a is a businessman, so there were there were times where like, you know, he was busy, active, doing his own thing and it wasn't, you know, like the the household situation wasn't always perfect in regards to like the relationship between my mom and my dad and stuff like that. But I don't really, I'm, I've never been one of those people that like I take that and I hold some sort of grudge or, or it becomes my, my identity. I, I never, I've never seen it like that. I've always been the type of person where I take the situation for what it is and I move forward in accordance to what the situation provides. So... And and the other thing is I also I understand people like I'll take that the additional step to try to understand the person. So for me, my dad he came from Cuba. He my dad escaped Cuba uh, under the you know a communist regime. Um, he escaped, you know, got to the United States, worked hard. You know, met my mom. They had me. My mom was born here in the United States. Her. Her parents were born in Mexico, but my grandmother, which my mom's mom, she came over to this country very early and she was essentially raised in Detroit, Michigan. My grandfather, he came over to this country a little bit later in his life and he spent time in various places. I believe he spent some time in Texas. I believe he spent some time in Las Vegas until he uh, he, he made his way here to Chicago. Um a lot of that, what I just mentioned, has a profound effect on my political philosophy because 
my grandfather, he when he became a citizen, he got drafted. He he was a paratrooper in the army. He fought in the Korean War, and then obviously my dad having the history of fighting against communism and knowing the just the 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 harm that it could do to a, a nation and everything like that. So I was these were the people that were like most influential in terms of my upbringing, my mom, my dad and my grandfather. Um and for all different reasons, like that that's one of the things that that I would say is nice about not necessarily growing up. It, I mean, it's better to grow up in a in a two-parent household statistics show that. But one of the things that I got from each individual person is you get different perspectives on, on life. See, sometimes I think what happens when you grow up in a two-parent household, which again, still it's a better thing, but sometimes you could get like one blanket philosophy because like these are people that are like cohesive. They're a cohesive unit. Sometimes when people are not cohesive or as cohesive, you could get differentiating philosophies, but they can work together. So for instance, for my dad, I got a lot of like my business sense. Um, I got a lot of the way that I observe the world. You know what I'm saying? Um, the, the work ethic. So stuff that has perpetuated me in the professional light, I got a lot of that from him. And a lot of the tools required to like, to put the building blocks together for like a better future in terms of professional, you know, finances and investments and everything like that. From my mom, I got a lot of culture. Like my mom's a very cultured woman. My mom is well-read, well-spoken. She speaks two languages perfect. Like there's people that are bilingual, but my mom like speaks like perfect English and she speaks perfect Spanish. So it's like a little bit different than the slang that a lot of people are used to. So I got I got that from her. Also, my mom was very good in when I was growing up in pointing out significant cultural moments and why they are significant. So for instance, I like I was just talking about the OJ trial. Like I was into that as a kid because of my mom. And so a lot of people don't realize, but you're learning things about society and how society works and about the legal system and everything like that because she guided me through like what was going on. I remember the cultural significance of the Jean Vanet Ramsey case with the little pageant girl that, that ends up dead and everything like that. I remember those culturally significant moments. I remember like a big movie would come out and I'd go to the movies with my mom and watch it and like be, you know, m be amazed at like what took place on screen. And that sort of gave me the building blocks to like delve deep into things. So it's just like, well, this is not just a song. What does the song mean? Like what's going on behind the song? Like, you know, the instruments and everything like that. This is a movie, but it's not just a movie. This is a book. This is not just a book. So that's kind of what I got from her in terms of, of what she contributed. And then from my grandfather, 
I got this notion of like always be a lifelong learner. Like until the day he died, essentially, he read the newspaper every day. He was very much into the news. He was very much into new information. He he prided himself on knowing what was going on and never just being committed to like one side or one idea, like know what's going on, know how things are going on and know how that affects your life. So these are the things that I got from from all of them. And 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 I, I I'm very grateful because one thing that they all gave me was a significant amount of freedom as I was growing up. And that freedom led me to like meet the friends that I have and like get into the adventures that I got into and grow <laughs> and, and have these character building moments. But also I I'm I'm grateful that they treated me with such a level of like sophistication when I was young. They didn't treat me like a kid. You know what I'm saying? I mean, they treated me like a kid in the sense, oh, what do you want to eat? This, that, and the other. It's your birthday, cake, here, this and that. But but in the sense of when it came to time, moments to learn and advance myself, they pretty much treated me like an adult. Like, this is why this is important. This is why you should learn this, this, that, and the other. So, so yeah, that that's essentially my roots. And it's funny because you saying that, that shit reminds me <laughs> of like when, when I would go out with you guys and my mom was always the one that would worry more. She's like, oh, yeah. my dad be like, nah, nah, let him, he yeah. needs to go. <laughs> yeah. And then we would fucking take crazy ass trips. I was having trips. a conversation with my mom about that the other day. We had a lot of freedom. I remember when we Dude. were, when we were 14, 15 years old, we had. The world was ours. Yeah. The world was ours. <laughs> The world was ours. But also, I think you don't get that freedom and a parent doesn't feel okay giving you that freedom unless they've put a substantial amount of work in to your development yeah. to the point where you can be trusted with that freedom. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So I think that giving that freedom was essentially our parents resting on the fact that they did put in the work where yeah. it's like, well... I don't know about the other kids, but I don't think this kid is going to make bad, bad decisions. I mean, every kid is going to make bad decisions, but really bad decisions were yeah. like all like life altering bad decisions. So, yeah. so yeah, that, that I, I, I'm very grateful for that. Very grateful. So you mentioned, so both of you mentioned how your mother and your father brought key points, key lessons Big into time. your, into your upbringing. Big time. So as we fast forward to today, and you know, I know in the black community, uh, over seventy five percent of of black Americans are born out of wedlock. Mm -hmm. You know, either one or the other parent is not in the picture. Mm -hmm. So, do you see that as a reason why things, why society has gone the way it has gone? You know, a lot of and I don't know what the statistics say in the Hispanic and in Cuban communities, but, you know, is the lack of fathers or, or the lack of two parent households leading us down a, a down a wrong path? So tie your upbringing into some things that you're seeing from other people around you like, like on a wider scope apply it to a wider scope right yeah uh 100 i think that it is contributing to going down a harsher path um for society 
because and, and not just necessarily like in the black community where like kids are, are being had out of wedlock also divorce has a lot to do with it too so it's not necessarily that the kids were had out of wedlock it could be that the kids you know were were had while in wedlock but then later on divorce takes a toll and i mean that's already a hard situation but then you start to wonder okay well what what sort of influences do you is the kid getting and now like kind of to go back to like what i said previously about how the way i think i was able to benefit from the three most influential people in my life not necessarily like being a hundred percent cohesive yeah that that's that's that worked for me but they weren't a hundred percent separated and polarized either you got some households where some kids that are in situations where at, at mommy's house it's this and at dad's house it's this and like you have two very polarizing ideologies and i think that's that contributes to why you have so many people now that don't have a worldview or don't have like a life philosophy yeah. because how can you develop one how can you develop one yeah. if during the week i'm telling you this 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 and this and then on the weekend he's telling you this 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 and this i mean you're gonna grow up somewhat confused that's number one number two if we're if we're, if we're already a few generations into the trend of divorce we're, we're seeing more and more likelihood that the men that are raising kids are a little bit softer than like what we've what we've grown up yeah. with or like what we may be accustomed to so now you're getting you're getting these men that it's less like well rather than be the disciplinarian or rather than be like the guy that provides that worldview and that provides the solid philosophy and provides those those tools and those building blocks he might be just as feminine as mom you know what i'm saying because because no, if, yeah. if, if, right. if if they've if they've already developed into that system i'll give you i'll give you a perfect example like I, I my mom and this goes back to what i said about how she is culturally like my mom has has always been like a, a great supporter of whatever i whatever endeavor i get into in terms of arts or you know like when we used to do the sketch comedy yeah the uh, the music everything like that she she's always been a supporter of that many moms are many moms do support that stuff so now imagine imagine dad was not in the picture and i was the kid that was like going to put all my eggs in that basket right and i and i bring this and i i bring this up because it, it it kind of ties into i was listening to our 100th episode today kind of just remembering everything yeah. <laughs> and and you know I, I i remember like the people that we thanked and everything and we'll kind of get into that later but but let's say i was the kid that's like, i'm going to put all my eggs in this music basket right and then mom fully supports it because mom is is more emotional and more and more caring and doesn't want to like make me feel bad and or anything like that. So I do that. It doesn't work out. I'm nowhere near in the position that I am in today. The reason that I'm in the position that I'm in today is because, yeah, I had the support from mom in terms of the creativity and, and developing that side, but also from dad to be like, well, 
you want to have something to fall back on. You want to have a business. And even if you see that the creative side is successful, you still need to turn it into a business. So now you get the best of both worlds. So that's my point. But now let's say you have dad that's like feminized or 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 on some beta shit. He might be trying to be just as supportive as mom and not trying to hurt my feelings either. It's like, oh, everybody wants to make nice and happy feelings, but nobody's willing to say, well, this shit is not going to pay for itself. And unless you get a job, unless you invest, unless you build something, you're not going to get to the point where you need to get where this sustains itself. So yeah, 100%, I do think that that having kids out of wedlock contributes to the problem. I think divorce contributes to the problem. I 100%. Yes. Yeah. You're shit. He hit every point. I think uh, people forget about the balance. So there's a yin and there's a yang. And there's a reason why those are the things. I think what you said about your parents, that echoes a lot with my household uh, growing up too. Like my mom was, oh, you could do it. My dad was like, you could do it, but just be weary. This step, that step, this step, you should probably think a little bit more uh i feel like this segment or this question rather i can't help but to talk about a book that you put me on um k cartoon um wealth poverty and politics i think it's a book that does cover the the cultural aspect the 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 political aspects of things and how and how that really could dictate who you are as a person or how you see the world and sometimes, I mean, we, especially this show, we're definitely like, yes, individualism. This is, this is good. This, this will get you somewhere and, and, and you can, you can do something by being yourself and, 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 you know, start your own company or start your own movement or that that's badass. But sometimes too, like people don't realize how culture and society can really mold the way people look at things and how you could basically have how those things could basically be like a brick wall, like where you don't even know what's ahead of that because you're just stuck here. And I think reading obviously helps. I think, um, seeking information from people that think differently definitely helps. I think that a a lot of those things are missing sometimes especially if 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 your environment is it's crime there's no stability at home i go to school there's really nothing being shared that's worth sharing so you kind of become like a sheep like you know well they're going that way so i guess i'll go that way so it is pretty sad and it's something that i think people ought to pay attention to and and look at like why balance is a big thing there's no question that that's the reason why a guy like jordan peterson a guy like coach red pill a guy like um shit even politically like a guy like ben shapiro or or crowder they're doing so well is because on the political aspect you see ben shapiro and, and crowder breaking things down and being open to talking to people that that they don't agree with a guy like um jordan peterson in a world where masculinity is like not the it thing, here is a guy who's like trying to tell you, well, this is how you should be. This is how, this is the stuff that maybe is not being shared. And and then you wonder why their numbers are so high. Uh, you wonder why 
people want to tune into Joe Rogan? Well, because he's willing to talk to anybody. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and and you see that. You see, like, naturally we're predisposed to want to gravitate towards learning. Like, that's just how we're predisposed. It's just about how you get there and what's in the way, you know? A lot of the stuff that, that you said is, is pretty accurate. Like, you can't really worry about learning when you, you're worried about surviving, you know? Yeah. So... I think culturally, that's why hanging with apes as a podcast is important. I think culturally, that's why you should always try to really help, like in your own way, help and 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 push things forward. It's not only just about you as a person. I think, you know, yeah, it's fun. I, I will say that creating an episode for hanging with apes, that's that's amazing. Like it's fun. It's stuff that we do. But what was it that got us to that? We, we have these conversations without the mics. Yeah. Then you said, oh, we should start a podcast. I was like, oh, all right, fuck it, let's do it. Yeah. And then we start talking, and it's like someone on Twitter might say, hey, we just I just listened to the episode. I listen to you guys every morning. And it's like, whoa. Yeah, which it's, it's funny you say that because that echoes something that we've talked, we talked about on our 100th episode. Oh, wow. It was that we talked about. You know what? What was it that kind of got us started into podcasting? How how the idea came about, and it really like you you really just explained all of it. So you you bring up the you bring up the topic of uh, masculinity, um, personally, and and many other pundits have said this as well. Like there's been a a, a big shift, uh, a universal shift in 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 men and women. Yeah. Um. You have and you alluded to this. The men have taken on a more feminine tone. Women have taken on a more masculine tone. And there's been more, and there's been so many theories and whatnot about it. Um, Break down your theories on why the universal shift has happened here in America. Uh, What have you seen from your dealings with the opposite sex? Um, You know, there's there's been statistics suggesting, well, there, there have been statistics saying that the average uh, black woman in America is bigger, heavier than Mm -hmm. the average black man in America. The average black woman, 187 pounds. The average black man, 181 pounds. So, I mean, just from a physical standpoint, women are now, some women are now bigger than men. Um, You know, some women have louder are uh, more louder more boisterous more demonstrative yeah. men sit in the background so have you seen that in your walks of life uh you know yes. use this to use this moment to get into your uh, uh dating lives if you want to if you choose to yeah and um yeah go go for it so i would say yes i've i've seen i've seen a shift but at the same time too i, I was talking to my dad the other day and it was it was really weird because he said yeah, things have changed, but things kind of also has, have stayed the same. I think it's what's put in the forefront and also the way we'll lie to each other in a way. Like, And what I mean by that is like, there are certain things that, that go unsaid that just ring true, no matter if you say whatever you want to say, right? When it comes to dating, when it comes to men and women, um, there's been people who have uh, like, like, and I'm saying couples who were like strong advocates of feminism and they really wanted their daughter to be into blue and non, not all these feminine colors. And then all of a sudden their daughter was into pink and feminine things. And it's like, well, yes, you can 
talk all you want about how biology is different between or or the same between men and women and then there's the science behind it you know what i mean uh you could talk about what women want and what men want and then there's a science behind it now like so 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 are you saying that women say one thing that they want but then the just the nature of them being a woman yeah. suggests something different. Is that yeah, what you're well, cu- culturally, I think it, it, it's pushed upon people, right? Like culturally, like for example, there was feminism, first wave feminism, then second wave, then third, and then fourth. Now, I could sit here and say, oh, I rock with third and fourth wave feminism. I'd be fucking lying to you because it's just like, no, I this doesn't mess with my spirit. Now, I can also sit down and say, well, there was a, a point where feminism made a lot of sense, right? Like the right to vote, the right to work. That makes sense. That that's I can agree with that. Uh, the, the right to have a voice, I can agree with that. Now, fast forward to now. Now there's MGTOW. A lot of people don't know about MGTOW. We've covered MGTOW. Mm-hmm. I rock with some of their points. And then some of their points, I'm like, get the fuck out of my face with that shit. I can say that. But I think that MGTOW does make up make a lot of good points when it comes to marriage, when it comes to the laws, when it comes to the cultural shift. Uh, You said how women have now become a lot more masculine. And like I said, that's not necessarily a bad thing per se. Like let's say in the workforce. And I think Jordan Peterson talks about this, how he's had clients who, who like who are women who they want to get a raise. They don't know how he said, well, you have to be less agreeable you need to learn that maybe naturally you're an agreeable person but in the workforce you might have to be a little bit less agreeable a little bit more straightforward you know what i mean so that's not that's not a bad thing but that's just something that that's there and that's a a biological thing of course there's always the exception to the rule right not everyone is generally like when you generalize you're not really talking about an, an, an individual but i do think that now we're just there's certain things that 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 it's just ridiculous. Like the couple that that wanted their daughter to be into. Like, well, how how about you just let your daughter be your daughter? How about that? You know what I mean? Or the Gillette commercial, where it's all this thing about toxic masculinity. Or maybe they're just kids, and they're going off of what their biological bodies want to do. And mm-hmm. maybe just maybe the parents might have to have a conversation with the kid on what's right and what's wrong. So I, I feel a lot of it has become kind of virtue signaling and not an understanding of like the science behind what men and women are. Yeah, I uh, I think that I well, I agree that that there has been a shift with uh, men and women. Definitely. There's a lot of issues when it comes to. All right. We got to we got to consider the fact that. Like society is is vastly different than like what it once was, and those are the issues that I guess we more or less have to come to terms with. Jordan Peterson covers this idea that now that there's such a thing as birth control, that there that wasn't a thing at, at a certain point. Yeah. So now you have women have more of an incentive to marry the guy that they're gonna have sex with because. If you have a kid, like that's gonna be the the guy's kid, and you're gonna need somebody to raise that kid with, and and everything like that. That was prior to birth control. Now that there is such a thing as birth control, there really is 
there's far less of a reason to buckle down with a man. Like if 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 the woman didn't like really, really like love the man. But then, and I use love like in air quotations because if you talk to some women and when it comes to the topic of love, well, love seems to be circumstantial based upon, well, where you live and the type of house you have and the type of money that the man makes. So I don't know if that's really love because if you look at statistics, the number one reason for divorce is finances. That's the number one reason for the divorce. So you you can you have that affordability to part ways with somebody when birth control exists because now you can like get on birth control go do your thing with other guys and like you don't run the risk of getting pregnant or very little risk of getting pregnant which is fine like to each his own like I'm not here to judge or anything like that but I think and I totally agree with Jordan Peterson when he says we don't really know the full effects that that has on society what we do know right now is that more women are reporting that they're un- more unhappy now than any other time in history yet like they're more liberated have more money more opportunity so i think that speaks to something also i think like i wonder what happens to these men because like we're we're seeing more and more data that's suggesting that the top tier of men are having sex with the majority of women so if we're getting if we're at the point where we're getting the top 15 percent of men having sex with 80 percent of the women what does that do for the rest of those men you know what i'm saying what does that do for for that 85 percent of men that are left essentially to bottom feed on the bottom 20 percent of women so that has a societal effect that those things also they they cause the shift you know what i'm saying so like these are these are the numbers of the situation and like that's that sort of breaking it down and then the value systems because i i think that's kind of what's going to essentially pave the road going forward cuz if you have a man whose value system is caught up in the blue pill traditional way of life you're going to have a lot of very depressed men if you have 85% of them competing for 20% of women. You're going to have a lot of depressed men if if their reliance upon living a good life is getting a wife, having kids, the white picket fence, the two-car garage. If like that's what you're relying on in order to have a fulfilling and fruitful life, that might be kind of hard versus other type of guys that have like more of an entrepreneur spirit, more of a creative spirit where it's like, yeah, you want a girl or whatever, but that doesn't make or break you. Those are, those guys should be good. And in fact, one would say maybe less women distractions is actually better for them to have a more fruitful path going forward. But for the ones that aren't on that, they might be looking at some real problems. We're talking depression, we're talking suicide, we're talking we're talking a lot of stuff like that. And now that contributes to men becoming more feminine and women becoming more masculine because now yes. like women want to look good regardless. Like women always want to look good. They always want they always want a nice bag, they always want nice shoes, they want to look good regardless. Even if they got a man, even if they got 10 men, they want to look good for that 11th and 12th guy. Men typically want to look good for women typically speaking so now if you don't look good 
or if if you know that there's a a small chance of you getting women to begin with, well then, what do you care to look good? So what do you care to get a job, or what do you care to get a good job for? So now that's why you're seeing this shift of all these guys that just want to be at home playing video games all day and 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 living like that because there's not a lot of incentive to grow in that department. Scary. On the flip side of that, though. What you're getting is an increased amount of women putting more of their value into their sexuality because yes. that's that's the flip side of it. If you have 80% of women sleeping with the top 15, 10% of men, that means there's a whole lot of women competing for the attention of these top 10 to 15% of guys. So what you're getting there is now you're getting a situation where all of what you are is tied up into your sexuality. So that means you're willing to do crazy sexual things to outcompete the other girl. Mm. And that's why you see all these OnlyFans chicks, all these Instagram chicks, and 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 all of this stuff. And it's funny you brought that up because I had a conversation with somebody on Twitter. And to kind of close my point out on this, I wanna I want I wanna uh read what 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 was said in in this this little thread here so originally the post was a girl posted a picture and she said 20 years old i have my own house thanks only fans that's that's what that's what was said so a guy <laughs> a guy on twitter said 50 years of feminism and the only way a woman can move out and have a home at a young age is if she's an online prostitute that's what the guy says yeah. so somebody online said i would really like y'all take on this so this is what i said i said it's sort of a weird statement because this is not the case for young women across the board but it is a trend that is increasing so that I say that to say not all young women are on that, but it is an increasing trend. To each his own, but a lot of data and studies suggest that many women today are more unhappy than they've ever been before in history. I conclude that way too many young women's value system today is caught up in their sex appeal, and a lot of beta-type men are quick to finance that value system through the currency of online attention. The problem is that when the online world, the online world is not necessarily a reflection of reality and these women will age, get less attention and time passes. And if in that time, no skill set or true assets were acquired, then a rude awakening awaits, which yes. correlates with the data. Yeah, no, that you're completely right. And actually, it's funny because that, that was a moment of revelation for me because like, I just didn't understand. I don't understand OnlyFans. And then made me realize, and I watched this video that, because I had a situation in which like a chick was like talking to me, and then I was like, "Oh, blah blah blah." And she's all right, yeah. Anyway, I got an OnlyFans, and I was like, and then I had a, a yeah. She she was trying to get me to to like be interested by to subscribe by, to yeah. OnlyFans. Yeah, so I was like, uh, well, why would I ever watch you when I have Pornhub? And I was like, and I could literally look for and these are professionals yeah they know what they're doing yes <laughs> i don't know show me right now you know what you're doing yeah. <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah. i was like what the fuck that's, uh, a, that, that's a good one to, yeah. say, hey, for for guys that are like pick up chicks that yeah. they bring up that only fans one is like listen 
I have Pornhub, but if right now you could do something that convinces me, <laughs> well, then maybe I'll say I'm going to do it. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I was like, well, and, and I, I was like very frank. I was like, I could literally look for a redhead with a black girl's ass and an Asian girl's legs getting hit doggies. Like, I could literally look for that. That's what I want to watch, and I could watch it. On, why would I ever pay for you? I was like, I would like to take you out. I would, I would like, we can go out and do something, but like, why would I ever pay for that? And and then she was like, well, and she tried to make her case and it just wouldn't work. So then she ended up like fucking blocking me because like I destroyed her whole soul. But but then I realized that like men go to OnlyFans because and this there's this video I saw. I wish I could send if I if I find it, I'll send it to you guys. Where what the men are buying, they're not buying the sexuality aspect of it. Well, that comes with it, but it's the acceptance. It's like you don't get told no. And the girl gets to talk they're, to you. They're buying, they're buying validation. Exactly. But that, and that's the problem. And that goes back to the point that I was making. Like this is validation that they, they're not creating themselves. See, when you put out a new article and people respond and people share and people rock with it, you're validating yourself. When we put out an episode or a song or, or whatever the case, we're validating ourselves. But if you don't have any of that, if you don't have a creative spirit, an entrepreneur spirit, a business minded spirit, a hard work ethic spirit, if you don't have any of that and like your reliance on validation comes from women and there's a scarcity in what one could consider available women, well then, yeah, I guess you're willing to pay however much a month to be, if you even want to call it validation, because it's not authentic validation. No, it's not. So, yeah, that that it's interesting. You know what's kind of scary and we've talked about this too, artificial intelligence and what role that'll take. Like like imagine like something like the movie Her for like the guys that are playing video games. That now will create a situation where like you said for the girl as good as she looks at the moment, right? Because the wall does hit and you do get older and your value does lessen and you try and settle down as a well, no, I have my AI. She's like... Or sex robot yeah, or whatever. Sex, yeah. Yes. And that's another thing. The sex dolls and the AI. If that becomes like a thing, that now leaves the women that, that are on that in a very weird predicament because it's like, well, you better be happy. You know, oh, like... But, and that's the yeah. point that I made in, in, in my reply to that, that tweet is like, yeah. you if you've acquired no real skill set, no real assets, nothing reliable, reliable resources, you're in a bad situation. You know what I'm saying? So let's let's uh, hit us with our last question because we still got to do the episode episode. So uh, shoot. Well, to to piggyback off that last point very quickly, um, Netflix has a documentary called um, "The Social Dilemma," and it is an absolute must watch for everybody. And it, it delves into. I actually started watching it because based off your recommendation, I haven't finished it yet, but I started. De- it delves into how AI is already taking over our lives, and you know, with with the algorithm system on social media, and you know, people just go down the whole rabbit hole. So, and it's even affecting, as we've seen, this election cycle. Uh, so. Real so real quickly, and you know you can kind of wrap this up with politics or whatnot. If you were, if the two of you were to run for office, and I and I actually think the two of you could run for you know a a, a local you know mayor you know of a, of a suburb or whatnot. But if 
the two of you um, were to run for political office, you know, name some of the, uh, you know, societal trends that you would like to change or, you know, through policies and, and you know, just kind of give your elevator pitch on how you would run for office. Sure. Hmm. You you want to go first? or? Uh, yeah, I'll go first. So one thing that I've enjoyed <laughs> since 2016, since 2015, is in Donald Trump seeing somebody who's going to be very matter-of-factly, which allows now for people to, for, for that to be part of the political arena, which I feel basically cuts through the red tape. Let's, let's, let's talk policy and, 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 and let's shut the fuck up about offending people. And I think that that alone before Donald Trump was an issue that I was looking at that was like, whoa, this is kind of, it's like little by little you started seeing people couldn't really talk matter of factly and 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 just get straight to the point they had to literally tippy toe about every fucking little thing and so seeing that i like that because that that was much needed and you're starting to see that now also you're starting to see that a lot of people are becoming a lot more interested in politics in general probably because of social media and also the political climate today i think it, it's a little bit hard, and you actually had mentioned, so I don't know if you mentioned it on, on the episode, but you were talking about how you were having a conversation with a couple co-workers and how, like, there were certain people that were like, uh, I don't know, I don't want to talk about it. or mm-hmm. not, not, but, but, like, not because they weren't into it in the sense of, like, or they felt offended. It was just because it was, they really didn't want to talk about it because they don't really have a, uh, a say mm-hmm. because they haven't really delved into politics. And I think that, that's kind of becoming kind of like, well, dude, are you serious? Get on top of that shit. What are you talking about? Like, you you don't have any any points to make about the yeah. current climate. So, uh, and and then you said too, like people that might be talking sports only is kind of becomes like, oh well, I mean, there's also an election happening this year. Yeah, you seem like when you're so one sided like that, when there's so many more consequential things going on, you seem like primitive almost. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so basically what, what I would like, what I would like changed or not so much changed, but what I would just like not really even allow to kind of get in my, in my space and in my aura is the notion of not saying things for what they are. And, and, and also being pretty frank about it. Many times I've seen Donald Trump talk about certain, certain topics that a lot of politicians would falter in. Let's talk about his bankruptcies. Okay. How do you make that into a win? Well, for anyone that's that's listening, watch the way he dismantled that whole notion with Chris Wallace in the primaries. Uh, Taxes in the first Joe Biden uh, and Donald Trump um, debate. All right. There you go. Like, let's not tippy toe. Let's 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 move forward. So, I think that I, I think style does matter, and I think the closest thing to Trump was maybe Ronald Reagan. Yeah, probably Ronald Reagan, and even then, he's pretty vanilla compared to compared to Trump. Now, when it comes to policy, obviously, me, me living in Illinois and seeing what has not worked for many years. Uh, and this is not something that that has been a problem like 
recently it's been like my whole life i've lived in illinois and i've seen how you can't pour out money out of people like that like oh well all right well there's a sugar tax uh there's a this tax oh well you're wearing shoes there should be a tax for walking oh you also breathe and it's like you start seeing that really in a in, in a in a state and city that we live in and county uh really the answer to most of these politicians is like well we ran out of money so we're just going to tax people and i think uh you've said it before a tax revolt is needed yeah. in chicago yeah um i think in in many of the states that are ran like uh, uh, illinois and 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 many cities that are ran like chicago i think you need that matter of fact just common sense way of looking at things and i think that people need to start mobilizing and i think that frankly like men like us who who grew up where we grew up and have a way with how we talk and and and, and we're pretty open to conversation like well, i will never say don't say what you say what you say say what you feel and then we could have a conversation about it i think it's people like us that would make that realm a lot better mm. because you still have those political types less 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 p political talk less pc and more just everyday man talk yes is that how you is that how the ticket you would run on um parts of it yeah like i definitely agree wholeheartedly with the cultural aspect of of the the hypothetical campaign that that he formulated i i definitely agree with the cultural aspect and on, on the policy side, I definitely agree that there has to be some sort of challenge or pushback to the way that states and municipalities just think that tax, 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 tax is, is the answer. Um, but also, I think on top of that, there needs to be an address of the problems that, or, or maybe not necessarily problems, but an address of some of the limitations that certain people have. And I would sort of, I would well, not sort of, I would run on, on something like that. So for instance, Are you I talking more preventative or no, 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 reactionary, not necessarily uh, a reactionary or preventative, just addressing certain things that used to be common but aren't necessarily so common anymore. Like, for instance, I really don't like the notion that almost every household needs two incomes to sustain itself. Like, I think that's I think that's a pretty radical thing in, in, a, in a bad sense. And taxes have a lot to do with it. Uh... Uh... The, the lack of like prosperity opportunities to to prosper because again it goes back to anytime people have extra money the government seems to think that they're entitled to that money um so that's one thing i do think that some sort of either education information or pathway should be carved out for like millennials and Zoomers to feel like they can afford a house because there's a lot of them that don't even think that they can afford a house. They, they don't feel like they can afford a house. And so I think the government 
would benefit from helping them pave out this pathway, it would benefit the people and it would benefit the government. For instance, areas where like maybe like modestly like work out a deal, work out a deal where you greatly deregulate like a certain sector. Like if, if there's the space, the land, I mean, all of these things are, are circumstantial, but this is just hypothetically speaking. Let's say like you have like the land, right? Which Inglewood has a lot of land. Inglewood has a lot of land, empty lots and everything like that. So you have land. So now you got to get contractors and people to, to build these houses. So you, you're going to build the houses modestly so that people can afford them. But what we're going to do to help keep those prices modest is we're going to deregulate the shit out of the people building them. So we're not going to hold them to the the permits and all of these things and all of this overhead. You know, if they don't want to hire union workers to save money, we're going so now we're we're creating the opportunity for affordable housing for people and not affordable in the sense that the government is paying it, affordable in the sense that it's authentically naturally affordable in its own right like the true value of it is affordable so you got you got inglewood you got it's already like a a place it's developing but it's a place where you know property values are still relatively low to the rest of the city and and inglewood is where for the audience uh, uh, well, I mean, I, I, I own property in Inglewood. Well, I don't know what you... No, no, no. Oh, like w- south side of Chicago. Oh, like where side where side on the right. map it is. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So, so you have a situation like that. So now the, the, you already have the, the low value of, of the land, the low value of, of building it. And now you incentivize people by either giving them giving them some sort of like no tax no property tax for five years Rent. Or, or 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 a flat tax or a flat tax for five years where it's like all right in this five year span we're not going to raise your taxes or maybe the first two years no no property taxes at all after that it's going to go to this price and then for five years it's going to stay at that price so irregardless of it if taxes are going up everywhere else your taxes will not shift Right there, you just given somebody seven years of being able to plan. And now if you get people there, that in and of itself is going to reduce crime. So that's that's my point is like you got to incentivize gotta, like you got to incentivize it, but not incentivize it in the sense of, oh, well, we're going to give you this house and we're going to take Joe Blow's tax. Uh, we're going to tax the shit out of Joe Blow so we could pay for this house for you. No, no, yeah. no, no, no. Truly do it in a way where it benefits the people, but it doesn't add an additional burden on taxpayers. And and Uh, you'd be very surprised because I want to add something to what he was saying is like how having property in the South Side might actually stimulate a small business because, oh, shit, I got to go get parts. Let me go to this mom and pop shop where they have drywall, where they have stuff for, for. So like that also stimulates the people that have businesses already there. Because people are building, people are building, people are going to have somewhere where they want to eat lunch, people are going to need supplies, people, so that also stimulates the people that already have businesses there. 100%. And then, and then the, you know, now that you see that this place is flourishing, banks want to get involved, like now more money is coming because people want to get involved. They see, they see what's happening. Another thing that I thought of is in, is I like the idea of government getting a little bit more capitalistic. And what I mean by that is every time the government needs some money, 
instead of thinking of a way to tax people and take more money from them, maybe let's think of a way to create something or an additional service or something where people pay for it, but if they're not forced to pay for it, like when it comes to taxes, a perfect example, this is not my idea. This was the ex-governor of Illinois, Rauner's idea, his idea when it came to I-55. He wanted to build an express lane going in both directions where people paid a toll to get on there. So in the hours where the I-55 is jam-packed, if you want to pay $3, $4 to get where you need to get a little bit quicker, you're willing to pay that, no. just like the Skyway. So that that's a capitalistic way of, of you provide a service or you provide some sort of convenience, but you're not adding an additional burden to the taxpayers. Another thing that I thought of is when it comes to the to, when it comes to evictions, the government is very slow moving when it comes to evictions, especially here in Cook County. So maybe have a service where you can guarantee the landlord or the property manager that that person will be evicted if they pay an additional you know few hundred dollars, a thousand dollars, whatever whatever the price point is determined. Oh now God. you're getting more money coming into the government. You're not uh, you're not you're That's, not giving yeah. the the taxpayers an additional burden, and you're providing the service. So this this because my thing is. This That's notion, a brilliant idea. This notion, this notion with the government that the government is like, like the the, no, the the government forgets that it's here to serve the people. So if you're here to serve the people, what do places and companies and industries that serve the people do? They they're innovative. They create they create products and services that people want. So why can't the government? take take that same approach you know what i'm saying and rather than just oh let's go after the people let's go after the people and now not only that that also makes that also makes places and and uh businesses and different industries even more competitive because now they're like oh shit like the government is actually on something somewhat efficient now we gotta up our game and I mean, yeah. think about it. You're, you're you're working on a project in Pilsen, and then they're like, "Oh no, well, Southside Englewood. That's where all the incentives are." All right. Well, I'm going to take my talents to over there because that's where I'm going to get incentivized to build something. Yeah. So yeah. so I, I would definitely run on a on a ticket where the government is is a little bit more about serving the people rather than treating people like they owe them something. I'd run on a ticket of of. At very least, flattening taxes, and if and 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 possibly if we could lower them down the road, very much for that. Deregulation, incentivizing business, and and creating pathways for the up and coming generations to be able to grow and prosper that don't result in further tax burdens on on taxpayers. Well, for us. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so that is our 200th episode. I hope you guys liked it. It was a little bit different dynamic. Uh, man, we went into a slew of topics, but uh, there's still more to come. So um, stay tuned. Episode 201 is right after this. It's this week, so you don't got to wait for next week. We'll see you guys on the next episode. We're out. Peace. Peace.